0: And we are back for another edition of the Daily Dots. Glad to have you guys here with us as we uh continue our documentation. Well, I guess it wouldn't be documentation. Memorialization, if you will. What do we call this, Chase? This 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 daily journey that we're taking. Is it a is it a... big help there, pal. Yeah, you
1: got me. I don't know.
0: Okay, this this memorialization, this this Tribute, if you will, to to what we think is an especially interesting and
1: dare we say volatile. And so, do we have to shut the show down if we don't think it's interesting anymore?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, right. If, well, or
1: or basically, even if it becomes uninteresting, we just keep talking about how interesting it is. Our pals on the end game, they said, they said, "What are you going to do after the end game happens?" And they they have already agreed. They got a, They got a, the new game. The show, new game. Like they, it, okay, so. okay. We got to we got to think about. What we're going to do after this isn't isn't interesting anymore. Yes,
0: yes, but uh, but nevertheless, we find ourselves in a very fascinating place. Um, I was listening to somebody who who was talking about this. Maybe it was the guys I interviewed last week, but they were just talking about. And it, well, no, I think Druck and Miller talked about it recently. Robin, anyway, they they were. It, it was nice to hear somebody agree with us because they just said, "Hey." at the very least, you got to take a step back and realize how unparalleled this situation is and how there really isn't a historical analog. And I was, you know, I got fired up about that because I was like, yes, thank, like, yes, you know, which is why I know it's something that you and I have talked about internally. And it's one of the things that that makes us temper every decision or every opinion we have right now. Right. And I, and I think we both have pretty well-baked, pretty firmly rooted uh, opinions and beliefs about how this plays out. But um nevertheless, we also understand the the need to stay limber because you know you've just never you right? you've just never seen the cards lined up like
1: this. Yeah, and and even if even if the cards weren't lined up like this, you just you you just got to stay completely pliable. Well,
0: it, it, and one of the reasons client was like, "Well, why Zach isn't obvious?" And I go, "Look, <laughs> you've got governments." Running deficits that are what are, are, are we're currently got to be what six seven percent of GDP on the deficit side, yeah, roughly. Okay, when you're running six to seven percent deficit to GDP with full employment, uh, that's just mind numbing.
1: Yeah, really is. I mean, it's absolute wartime fiscal policy while everything's fine.
0: Yeah, it's just wild. Um, and then I thought Druckenmiller, and we'll get into the market today, but I th- I thought Druckenmiller had some really um. Really interesting and in my opinion, spot on. And again, you and I were literally having this conversation uh, last week at one point. Maybe it was even this weekend.
1: That's probably where Jerox got it from.
0: Yeah, yeah, he's following us very closely. <laughs> he and PTJ don't make a move unless they clear past us. Yep. Um, no, but he was saying, you and I were talking about it just in the last few days. I can't remember when. And, and the topic was, why in the world did they not finance this debt out longer term? Why have they just been yeah. spitting out all of these short this short-term paper over the last several years? It makes no sense. And I remember thinking that before the inflation thing even started. I remember thinking, why are they not terming this stuff out?
1: It's unreal, honestly.
0: I, and he made such a great point. Yep. He goes, a record number of average consumer Americans have done just that with their own personal balance sheet. And then the person running the treasury didn't.
1: All the households and the corporates were smart enough to do it and then – the government just couldn't figure out that, that maybe they should do that too
0: i mean even on a conservative basis i, I bet you that i bet you it's not that tough to figure it out but that decision alone over the next let's just not even go far to, you know because i think you start talking 20 years it just you know everything looks exponential 20 years out right let's just go five years out right Th- that mistake alone is going to cost tens of billions of dollars over the next five years, potentially hundreds if if I'm if if I'm thinking.
1: It might be in the trillions, honestly.
0: It might be in the tr- Just in interest expense over the next five years. Yeah. Right? Because people are like, well, what do you mean? Probably well, is in the trillions. You're running $2.1 trillion deficit right now. Right? So that means you got to finance $2.1 trillion this year. Okay? Run the numbers on the difference of that debt being financed at 1.8 versus 4.9. There you go it's just my it
1: is i we've talked about how like how no, is that no, even defendable? No one's paying this rate except for people with floating rate debt, and essentially the government put themselves in a position where they're mostly floating rate debt. How is that defendable i I don't
0: understand how the citizens no. like well, I understand how the average citizen is, but because of that, that is literally lighting and and over the next ten years it will certainly be trillion. But it is lighting trillions of dollars of taxpayer money on fire. I, I just I, – I don't – how is that not – I mean you could actually sit there and say that that move alone is the single most costly move to American taxpayers in history.
1: And I know that sounds hyperbolic. Unless they own T-bills because then they just get it back in interest.
0: Well, yeah, but I mean they're not, not going to continue getting it back. Right, like well, what I'm saying is is um, if they own all T bills, I mean, chances are T bills are not going to be paying what they're paying right now a year and a half from now. Sure. Okay. So, but that debt, well, I guess the rate on the debt comes back. I just think they're going to yeah. have to roll a lot of it this year into longer term. If
1: if if the people aren't going to get it get it via T bills, they're you know the government gets to save all that on the back end, which I mean, they better hope happens.
0: Yeah. Well, the other thing you sit there and think about too is at what point. I mean, I just look at that move and I go, doesn't that just further again guarantee the fact that we will? Um, and, and sure, we're, we I think we cannot have it for short, you know, for short periods of time. But but Yellen doing that all basically guarantees the Fed is going to have to be a net buyer of Treasuries over the next twenty to thirty
1: years. I, it, yeah, I mean, I I thought that was absolutely. No question, going to happen. Even if they turned the debt out, that was right. going to happen. But, but it especially, it makes it more acute. More, um, I think it, it that that trigger finger has to be that much itchier for the Fed to go buy that stuff than it would have been if they would have turned it out.
0: Yeah, geez. like
1: mom and pop did with their mortgage.
0: Jeez, just an unbelievable. You start looking at those numbers and. What's crazy about it is we've all grown up, at least I did, hearing about the debt in the United States and all that kind of stuff. And quite honestly, I think back to when I was a kid in the 80s uh, and even 90s, um, I can certainly tell you my understanding uh, of debt and government spending was not nearly what it is today. I will also say that the general consensus thinking about debt and, um, you know, in deficits and government spending, I think was far less informed and much more, um, I don't know, what's the, what's the uh, right, much more provincial. And that's really not the right word, but just not sophisticated enough. Meaning one of the things I've realized is that debt, especially as it relates to a government, it's not all the same, right? Infrastructure debt that is really helpful to an economy, it can look eye-watering, but it pays back, right? And if it's done correctly and done well, it pays back and it's an asset. Right, so you can't just look at it like debt. it just doesn't work that way. Um, you know, the, now the flip side and the crazy part about where we're at now is we're not looking at these deficits because of some overhauled economy and rebuilt infrastructure. Right, the majority of this is just lighting money on fire. Now, I'm not saying there shouldn't be any social spending. I'm saying that the type of spending that the government is overwhelmingly engaged up, the biggest percentage, right, of that deficit. Is stuff that does not have a residual payoff,
1: right? Yeah, to me, like to your point, I've I've always been a big R and D person. Like, if you're going to blow money, blow it on R and D, that so you might get something out of it. You think about think about how productive our economy is with GPS, and like that came straight out of military, you know, spending and and research and development with satellites, like or or things like uh, radar, microwaves, like the stuff that came out of defense spending on. On just basic research or think of the hoover dam
0: right like yeah, remember how I eye-wateringly that. expensive yeah. that was at the time that thing has paid for itself a hundred times over right i mean you think of the farming that that helped power generation lower power costs right you can't just and that's why you've got to take all the right you're going to hear people out there the uh dollar collapsing vigilantes right the dollar permables and, and not saying that they don't have several things that they're saying is right. Not saying that the current state of things isn't insane, right? It is. It's, it's reckless. It is insane to, I don't even think you can be hyperbolic because I see it as hyperbolic monetary policy and, and, and government spending policy, but you really can't, you know, you hear some of these guys talk about these things and you go, wait a second guy, come on, man. Right. You're being, you're being over the top. Right. Like it's just not all the same. You have to look at it, all the sides of it, you know, and people could go in an inflation adjusted basis. We spent this much on the Hoover Dam. Okay. Now go do an inflation adjusted basis of what it's, what, what it's paid back. Right. And, and, and so yes, back to the actual markets, right. Um, let me pull this out real quick here. Uh, pretty, pretty strong rally across the board. I'm going to give you the 30,000 foot view and then chase. You can fill us in on some of the particulars. Uh, Nasdaq bouncing 146 points or 1.16 percent on the day. Dow jumping 500 points or 1.5 percent on the day. S and P jumping 1.2 percent on the day. Um, which I could tell you why. I think it's it was, Monday. That's it's why. Why not Monday rally, right? Um, and there's a couple dynamics going, guys. Uh, Chase, you can give them a little more particulars because this is what you're here for. Um, but I, I think there's a couple dynamics that you can't read too much into a rally like this. Uh, first of all, you'd had f- three consecutively lower weeks. You're going to have bounces in this process. And then also there's a bit of a dynamic going on in the geopolitical side, which is in case something crazy happens over the weekend, you know, people buying puts, hedges, VIX contracts going into the weekend and then selling them. And it's going to create kind of a risk off risk on feel risk off Friday risk on Mondays, Um, obviously the characteristics of this market are still very much in play, which is typically the risk-on moves are going to be bigger than the risk off. Um, because there's still a lot of people that think this is a beginning of a new bull market, despite everything else pointing in the different direction. But hey, that's that's what makes a market. Um, anything else to this move? I mean, rates were up again today. I there's nothing you could really point to. The only thing I saw that would make any sense would be. Uh,
1: potentially, oil being a little lower, oil and dollar lightening up probably helped a little bit. Um, not, not for that kind of rally, but and yields were up, but but kind of got muted. Um, kind of middle of the day, the Treasury kind of announced how many, like how much debt they were going to have to raise, and it was a little lower than expected because they were expecting um, tax receipts to come in a little better. So I think the market appreciated that, and bond yields went down a little bit, but. It, even even then stocks were basically already up about the same as they closed when that happened. So I think that was a small tailwind, but honestly I, I was actually counting how many days, yes, how many Mondays in a row the S and P has been up. And I just kind of ran out of time in the teens and I just gave up. So it's, it, we just go up every Monday for whatever reason, recently that's, that's a thing. So every index is still under kind of the big support that broke down in the last couple of weeks. So to me today, what well, didn't really, it just didn't really matter. Well, it is the NFL season,
0: right? So, I mean, yeah, I mean, you should go up every Monday. Yeah. It's, it's football season, right? I mean, that's, I mean, that's, I think For some of us, it's kind of a rough Monday, but. Well, <laughs> so hey, I, I, wait, and this is a funny story. I got to tell them this. This is a funny story. So. And, and we will get back to this, but I just. People I get getting it. away with holding's not funny. <laughs> no. <laughs> so when Chase joined us, now he's a hardcore Browns fan. So when he joined us, I said, you know what, man, it's sort of a sort of a welcome to the West Coast party. I'm going to I'm going to reserve us seats for the Browns game up in the Cairo radio suite. OK, so we're going to get the suite experience. And then I even got you some on field passes so we could watch your Browns join up or, or warm up before the game. And he comes decked out, of course, to decked out in Browns Browns gear. I mean, down to the color of his tennis shoes are orange and brown, right? <laughs> he he calls it the cloth, right? It's it's, it's the cloth of the uh, of the saved and the redeemed. Um, but anyway, so we we go to the game, and it just so happens that former uh, Pro Bowl uh, linebacker and Super Bowl champion KJ Wright was in the suite with us. KJ Tabby, and he goes, "Hey, man." Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to escort your buddy out of here. Does he realize that uh, that's an abomination in here? And uh, Chase resolutely refused to give. And people were like, "Hey, you can't cheer." And goes. And Chase yells through the, not yells, but sh- shouts loudly through the suite. Hey, people, I'm at a five here. Okay, I'm doing the best I can. And uh, anyway, so I had to sit there. I. It was like walking around with a leper uh, yesterday.
1: Walk. Uh, you know, and KJ's from Olive Branch, Mississippi. I thought it'd be better than that. <laughs>
0: So, and so Chase is a little bit, he's a little bit grouchy. He's a little bit grouchy because, uh, well, I was celebrating and throwing in his face all day long. So <laughs> as,
1: well as, as you should have.
0: Yes. Yeah. So anyway, so back to what we were talking about. Um, b- basically, the, n- nothing much today um, that makes any sense. I, I will say this. I haven't looked at the number of shares uh, in this um, deal. Uh, Jamie Diamond is a pretty astute guy. Um, it was really funny to see the announcement of him selling a hundred million dollars worth of JP Morgan stock and JP Morgan rallying a point. I think they're up a percent and a half on the day. Um, I don't know if there is a person alive that understands the banking system better than Jamie Dimon does as it exists here in yeah. the United States. Guys, th- that's not an insignificant amount of stock. OK, like and Dimon is is not he I, I think it's. Interesting when he sold it, coming off the end of those earnings. Um, I'll just tell you this: I I don't know what's going on in his life. I could be wrong, but as investors, I think that that's and and there is no one thing we talk about that. But I I think it is that is something that at least rings a bell on my screen, and I'm going to continue to pay attention. Maybe we'll see him do something with that money um, that makes it make sense to where you're not you know you're not saying it's a bad omen. But that's a big percentage of his ownership in J.P. Morgan, and um, Jamie's not the kind of guy that does that unless he thinks he's going to be able to get a shot to buy back cheaper.
1: Three three years of comp for him, so it's pretty big.
0: Yeah, that's not a small liquidation. Uh, Now, if we like, I said, if he finds if we buy some hundred million dollar Hamptons estate, then you gotta have your answer right there. But um, that's just not typical, Jamie. He tells me he already has one of those. Yeah, a couple anyway. He Airbnb's out one of them though it's for the cash flow, uh, so, uh, but I mean, I, I, but again, I just, I, Jamie Diamond has a good enough record and a good enough track record, regardless of what you think of him. He knows what's happening and he is in connection and he is a competitive dude and he is not going to sell off a hundred million dollars worth of stock unless he's got a very good purpose for it or unless he thinks it's a, and even then I, I, he must believe it's a good time to sell that stock. Yeah. I, I just, I can't believe that he does. It. Yeah. I mean, he's never really done it. So yeah. It's and, a lot. and again, that's a big purchase, right? It's not like he bled in $20 million worth of stock over the last 60 days. Exactly. Right. Uh, what else do we have going on? Chase, anything else that
1: you saw interesting? Uh, the only, the only thing data wise today was uh, the Dallas feds manufacturing survey, which was lower than expected, lower than last month and pretty bad um, broadly. And I, I mean, even I, as a pretty significant bear on the economy, have been expecting manufacturing to kind of bounce pretty decently here, but the regional surveys keep coming keep coming back pretty bad here lately. Richmond's was weak, um, Kansas City, I think, was weak. So now Dallas is weak, and you read the comments, and they're very weak. So,
0: hey, didn't I see something today about you? Uh, some kind of was it a consumer survey coming out of UMich that was announced? today or no those, friday?
1: those yeah those are always the fridays which okay so they must have that must have been released this last friday did we get anything wasn't a big deal except for like the the short-term inflation expectations jumped a lot okay okay um so yeah so nothing real big anything coming up with the fed this week yeah with the fed meeting wednesday which should right. should i mean largely be a non-event they're not going to hike so as long as jay doesn't step on a rake in front of the microphone i i would expect that to be a non-event um but the same day on on wednesday the treasuries, um, quarterly refunding happens. So that might be like the biggest thing going on in DC that day, not the fed. Um, Cause if they announce any significant shifts in, in the duration they're going to sell, like that would, that would move markets probably as much as the fed. And then tonight, actually um, for those that are up at 11 PM West coast time, the BOJ will be announcing um, their, their policy and doing some talking. And there's some speculation that bank of Japan will, um, pull back on yield curve control even more and maybe let the 10 year float above 1% um, but they also might you know do some hints for um, some hikes in the future so that that would be worth watching for the those deep in the macro world
0: you know, you know something interesting that I was thinking about chase um, I I was looking at global yields today and looking at the action and the spreads and global yields it looks to me, and I could be way wrong. I haven't done any digging in this. All I did was look at the yields. It looks to me like a lot of European yields are starting to price in deflation. Is that correct?
1: I I, I haven't thought of it that way. You um, haven't?
0: I just – but I look at like, – like I I understand what –
1: what, Like to me, they're pretty close to what the U.S. is doing where they're kind of off the highs. But I mean even – you think back to the German 10-year, which was – I mean that thing was negative. And we're still at two eight, 2.8. So. Yeah, I just can't imagine
0: preferring to own. I, I just, oh yeah. I mean, what you you'd rather own French debt than U.S. government debt? <laughs> and for people that go want to go off on the U.S. Zach, but you just said, oh, we're at yes. Now go look at France. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent.
1: Right. <laughs> go look at France. Um, well, uh, look I, at the growth. That's and the growth what i Trajectory in, in Germany, I mean, they're not growing at all right now. And the U.S. has had a five percent quarter that's what i'm saying i don't really understand
0: unless those bonds are starting to price in deflation uh or recession maybe i mean
1: then maybe uh, yeah, recession part they should be i mean they're pretty much in recession
0: well that's what i i should have said recession I'm. Yeah, my apologies yeah, on fair. that yeah um and if that is the case that's really interesting to me because when i look at the state of affairs here in the united states i do not know how anybody can be looking at much lower than expected economic growth coming out of china and many parts of asia and recession in Europe, and not think that the U.S. isn't going to fall suit. I mean, just go. I j- just go look at the numbers, right? right. The trade flows. I, I just don't think it's possible. It used to be, right? It used to be we were disconnected enough to where the rest of the world could get a cold and we wouldn't cough, right? Um, you know, fifty eight percent of tech revenues come up from overseas. Forty percent of overall S and P five hundred revenues come from overseas. So, I, I just I don't think that's the case anymore.
1: Yeah, and. And it, this goes back to oil. We were kind of talking about oil. Oil has been a little bit fuddling, I think, in the last couple of weeks. But at the same time, like what we're talking about, it could, it could be as simple as that. Like, there's not much growth coming out of anywhere except the U.S. right now. And it's something you and I have kind of ha- talked about and highlighted. Like, people think just because we the U.S. had a just wonderful quarter in the third quarter, like, it just that means it keeps trucking and you can't go into a recession soon. But... I'll, I'll I'll rattle off some stats for you, and that is GDP in the quarter right before you went into recession since 1948, and and these uh it's 3.9, 5.4, 3.1, 2.1, two, four, 1.4, 4.3, 1.722, 2. and and on the nominal side these are like six, seven, eleven, ten, fourteen, five, so very oftentimes you have a red hot quarter and then you go into recession. You know, what
0: quarter. what do you think that has to do? Do you think that has to do with liquidation of inventories? You, exactly, p- it, it, people trying to lighten up their loads and willing to take things at lower prices and lower margins, and just trying to trying to lighten up before a downturn they see coming.
1: Yeah, I think I think it's when you in one quarter you get a bunch of one offs from inventory and trade, and then those kind of those just naturally go back the other way and make up for themselves essentially. Um, so yeah, those kind of bullwhip effects and inventories they go back the other way. It, it really makes it a perfect storm to start a recession right after a you know, really good quarter. Well, you sent me that chart last
0: week, and um, usually relationships like that don't catch me that off guard, but I was really shocked by that. I, I was, I, and guys, this is why I think historical context, again, it doesn't tell you everything, but I just think it, it, it is one of those things that can help keep you from getting too much swung to one side or the other. Right, we we've got comps here. We we've got proof that literally this happens. Well, it, it, odds are, right? Like this is pretty dang consistent. I mean, the chances are, and the chances are pretty strong, that you're going to have a really strong print the quarter right before
1: you go into recession. I mean, yeah, exactly. That doesn't mean you know Q4 Q4 will be negative or anything, but I I bet Q4 is weak. I mean, the first the first readings that came out are two point three percent. So if consumer spending slows. More than expected in the rest of the quarter, then next thing you know, you have a one handle, and if it gets bad enough, you you could be flirting with a negative quarter. Yeah. So I it's and, and the other thing too is like I I made a joke on Twitter the other day, uh, saying like every time you hear someone say nominal GDP, take a drink because that's all anyone can talk about now. So I think because nominal GDP is high at like six right now, and people think oh well they are nowhere near recession, but there were three quarters where you had. 10 plus percent nominal gdp and then we're in a recession the next quarter <laughs> so i mean that stagflation is real for a reason
0: yeah yeah well and 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 look i don't think there's a disconnect with the way that data is calculated and the way data is gathered and, and the way that businesses actually operate right when businesses see slowdowns happening and and Guys, I'm just telling you, I'm talking, like, for instance, look at the real estate. Market. I'm talking to a lot of different builders, a lot of guys in the industry at different levels. And they're telling me different parts of the country. They're like, oh, it's, they go, it's slowed, it's slowed down markedly in the last 60 days.
1: What, what, what do you got, Chase? So, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because something I, I that, uh, some data I wasn't tracking, but my my friend, Rob Laherty um, at Cognitive Investments, he mentioned this. So I started tracking it and that's architectural billings index. Um, which is basically a leading indicator for construction. And that thing just, you know, uh, like any other diffusion index type thing, uh, under 50 means contraction. And it went from 50 to like 45 in a month, just a nasty move lower month over month. So it's starting to show, um, and that that would be the worst since like 2010 outside of COVID. So pretty, pretty bad levels. So that tells you, hey, on the construction side, you're about to really hit a wall. And we already know that from looking, especially on the residential side, looking at uh, starts and permits, stuff like that is, is pretty bad. So, yeah, construction is about to roll over, which means construction employment is about to roll over, which very often um, coincides with, with you know when you go into recessions.
0: Yeah. And yeah. we still
1: have probably a few months before that becomes hits those levels that are consistent with recession. But the point being, the turn is starting.
0: And this is something that one, this is something that you have to learn as an investor, uh, which is context is so important. And if you think you're going to get context from financial media, you're not. Right? Go listen to the ebullient nature, like right, the the just effusive and endless praise of the strength of the economy on CNBC, and they don't tell you this. Right? They don't tell you. Wait a second. It's not that we're telling you it hasn't worked out before. It's that the vast majority of times you have a blowout quarter right before you go into recession, right? That, they, if you look at the data, that's what's most likely to happen. So and, – and, and I thought you said it perfectly earlier. doesn't mean you're going to have a bad fourth quarter. What it does mean is that that GDP print means almost nothing as it relates to recession if and when it's going to happen. And if anything, right, like you said, the percentages say, hey, that would be typical – Right to have a really strong print like that, and then have recession the next quarter—that right. would be typical. I
1: just—I just, I just got to say, effusive, ebullient. You know, I'm gonna have to bring my dictionary for these from now on. I, I'm from rural southeast Texas. I—I I can't keep up. With I know, but I don't do technicals, so so I automatically don't
0: sound as intelligent. So I mean, if you look on my screen right now, all three words are on little post-it notes, right? For me to figure out a way to inject into the conversation, Chase, it, especially update—it's it, like taking your shirt off next to DK Metcalf.
1: Right, like you got to not doing that. You got to at least hit the weight room before that happens. All I can all I can say is I got more chest hair than him, and just just roll with that. <laughs> oh, that's but, funny. But to your point, There's another football story, uh, one of Baker Mayfield's teammates when he was with the Browns basically made him work some some like really funny lines and words in a press conferences. And it was always like this brutal transition and you're just like, what did you just say? But <laughs> I guess you made some money doing it. Oh, that's funny, man.
0: Yeah. So that's, I got to, like I said, I got to hang my intellectual hat somewhere. Um, okay. So what else should we be looking at? I mean, I think it's other than that, it's kind of quiet, um, kind of, I don't know. I'm just interested to see the way that the data keeps unfolding. And
1: yeah, we'll get job openings this week as well. And then Friday's Jobs Friday. So it's a it's a pretty huge week for data with, you know, Fed, Treasury, Jobs, bank of japan tonight like well interesting level two in markets right because yeah you're right because,
0: because we are under key support levels still even after today's rally and one of the other interesting things man that i have not seen in a market move like this is nvidia either perf- slightly i mean it was basically in line with the index today and based on it feels like a shift, right? Because based on technically where the market is and the market bounce, yet if it, you know, Nasdaq bounces one point one, I'd expect to see Nvidia up three and a half, four,
1: right? Yeah, it, yeah. and I it, talked about that one on, on like Wednesday or Thursday because it's it's broken below a head and shoulders kind of neckline, which is going back to technical nerddom. But um, it actually tested the bottom of that today and then failed miserably, uh, right? On, I mean, right on that line. So that that was significant to me because if it doesn't recapture that it's in trouble. If it does, people mm-hmm. that are betting against it are in trouble, but and Tesla looks just ugly. Same thing. That that one has is and, bel- it finished below some just critical horizontal support. And it was down
0: 4% today on a day when the index yeah. is up 1.16.
1: Monday magic did nothing for it. No, I and think guys, that may be because now all three of the big big three auto manufacturers have, you know, ended their strike. So I think I think Tesla got some love because they were, like, the only game left in town.
0: Oh, Now yeah. that they're
1: not, that might be what's hurting them. I don't know, but that's just speculation on my part.
0: In this market, who knows? I mean, that could very well be the case. Um, just an incredible amount of short-term thinking going on. I mean, it's people are looking forward to next to, yeah, tomorrow's close as opposed to, you know, looking out in the future. Um, but he, but the, those are very big breaks, too. And, and remember, unless those things get back – and, I mean, go – if you – I'm not a technical analyst here certainly not the better of the two of us not even close but even I can sit there you pull up a chart of Tesla it just looks ugly. Yeah exactly. Uh, I mean it just looks like it's going down a good bit further.
1: We are right at the 50 month moving average so
0: it's below the 200 day below the 50 day I mean it's yeah it doesn't look good. Um and and Nvidia too. I mean and that's the other thing where you're looking at that going okay I, You've got fewer and fewer leaders,
1: right? You have fewer and fewer, increasingly yeah, daily, fewer horses pulling this wagon. And since the mega caps basically run the whole market, the fact that a lot of them are starting to look weak is, is very significant. Yeah. Apple is the same as NVIDIA, basically up the same as the market and he, on the chart does still look bad.
0: Even weighted S&P 500 index on the year down
1: 5%. Really all you need to know.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's, it just, yeah, it just doesn't look that great. Even the bounce – even the bounce – like even you look at J.P. Morgan, you know, or you – like people have been – a lot of talk about trying to rally bank stocks now and now might be the time. Even they're not getting any real love.
1: No, and they're very close to breaking down against the S&P, so.
0: Yeah. Not a lot of great signs out there. Anyway – uh, that's about does it. Got anything else for the folks? No, nope, that's it. We'll be back tomorrow. All right. Went a little long on that one, but we, you know, we had to tell the football story and things of that nature. <laughs> These are all important things. Anyway, all right, you guys have a great night as always download and subscribe at know your risk radio podcast and go look at, if you haven't heard the interview we did last week with uh, Vincent Daniel and Porter Collins, two of the real life at players uh, that the characters are based off of in the book and best and movie, the big short um, we went over, they were kind enough. It went for an hour and 20 minutes Great guys. Uh, just really enjoyed talking to them and and got a lot of positive feedback. So again, it's not behind a paywall. It's free. Just go Google Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Look it up us on uh, Apple iTunes, any, po- any podcast station or site or app. You can just Google Know Your Risk Radio. It'll pop right up and you can get the dots and all of our interviews and all of our
1: Friday shows. And if, you're, and if you haven't watched the big short, you're not allowed to listen to the show until you do.
0: Yeah, <laughs> that is your homework assignment. And honestly, if you haven't done that, uh, and if you haven't heard the, uh, or the interview, um, I would honestly suggest you watch the movie, then listen to the interview. Um, it was some really cool insights, and I, I don't want to give too much away, but I thought one of the coolest insights about it. Was how thoroughly they nailed that whole problem to the point where they were even short money market accounts that had those mortgages in them. Nobody saw it that thoroughly. The other thing that impressed me was how they structured the trades. They structured the trades with uh, counterparty risk built into it. They were worried about the bank's ability to pay them, even if they won. Um, it was, it, 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 man, those guys had that and they had every part of it nailed down. It was just impressive. Anyway, you're not going to want to miss that. And just great, humble guys that are fun to talk to, too, which is nice. Because I can tell you I've interviewed guys that are not that humble. And it makes for tough radio types. times.
1: If I was Porter, I wouldn't be humble. If I was an Olympic athlete and, yeah, and right. good, at, good at finance, I, you would, I'd be insufferable.
0: I'd just wear a t-shirt that said Crushing Life. And I'd wear it every day, right? I'm better than you are. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, if, if reincarnation is real, he should try harder to to be successful next time around. Yeah,
0: what a, what a, yeah, what a, talk about dregs of society. Anyway, all right, you guys. Well, thanks for joining us. Hopefully you'll continue on this journey with us. That's it for the Daily Dots. You're listening to the Know Your Risk Radio podcast. Download and subscribe at know- and subscribe at knowyourriskradio.com. The
1: opinions expressed in this program are for general informational purposes only and are not intended to
0: provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual or on any specific security. It is only intended to provide education about the financial industry. To determine which investments may be appropriate for you, consult your financial advisor prior to investing. Any past performance discussed during this program is no guarantee of future results. Any indices referenced for comparison are unmanaged and cannot be invested into directly. As always, please remember, investing involves risk and
1: possible loss of principal capital. Please seek advice from a licensed professional. Investment advice cannot be given without a client service agreement. Bulwark Capital Management is an investment advisor representative of Trek Financial, LLC, an SEC-registered
0: investment advisor.